Woody Johnson is not a happy man. A future free agent tackle says he wants to be a Jet. Coming I'm Glenn Naughton with Jet Nation Radio and JetNation.com. Be sure to log into JetNation.com where you can register and become a part of what is the most active Jets message board on the web. Um, apologies for no show Wednesday. Completely my fault. Got back from Mobile and I just completely lost track of days of the week. Um, thought we were going live uh, Wednesday night. Turned out it was already Thursday. Tried to make that work. That didn't work. And then we tried tonight. And Dylan had something come up. Couldn't join us. So wanted to get a show out there, though, because the the Woody Johnson story is worth discussing. Woody comes out at the ESPN Honors last night and says a couple of things. Really, no surprise to anyone. Just surprising that Woody said it out loud because he does. he's not always vocal on these types of things. But um, we'll start off with his criticism of Zach Wilson, which I thought was out of line. I mean, you're trying to trade the guy. You don't come out and talk about a player you're, you're trying to trade and and say that even you don't believe he's a good player, which is not what Woody said in so many words. But he did say that it was a failure to not have a backup quarterback last year, um, which part of that, too, is you're the owner. If you thought that was the case, like we know Woody Johnson gets involved with some of these decisions. I'm not saying he's an overly meddling guy getting in all the business and all that, but he's not shy either. He does get involved in these things. If Woody Johnson honestly believed there was an issue at QB2, which there was, I say it all the time, dopey blogger, right? I'm a dopey blogger, and I knew it. I tweeted out before the season that it would be malpractice for the Jets to go into this year with Zach Wilson as their QB2. I thought that was a huge failure for Joe Douglas. So for Woody to say he didn't like that they didn't have a QB2 as well, well, Woody, uh, you and I are a little different. I can I can comment on it. You've got the power to pick up the phone and say, Joe, what are you doing? Go get us a QB2. And you didn't. So, and again, if Woody never got involved in anything, I could say, well, he's being true to form. He doesn't get involved. He lets the GM do his job, and now this is what happened. Well, again, we know with big decisions, Woody gets involved. I'm not, I'm not criticizing him for that. I say all the time, people who say, you know, oh, stay out of the business like you would. If you own the Jets, you just sit back and twiddle your thumbs and not speak up when there were big decisions to be made. So let, let's be honest there. So that was, of all the things Woody said, I thought that was the the one that was not necessary. We didn't need him piling on Zach Wilson. But the, and Christine says, maybe fire Salah and Douglas Woody. Um, I, I would fire Salah. Um, I wouldn't fire Douglas. And here's why. And, you know, this was, the one thing what he said that I liked, because I think he's right, um, he said basically said we have too much talent to not be winning games. Um, he said the coaches, you know, we've got all this talent. Coaches have to put guys in position to succeed. I'm paraphrasing. That's basically what it came about. So let's, I mean, look at this roster. You know, we're not going to go one through 53. But this is a team that has... Arguably, we can split hairs and say top five, top seven, top nine, top ten, top three. But for the sake of expediency and to just break down some of the spots where the Jets are are, are a really talented team. And don't mistake this for saying they're a perfect team because, yeah, they got some holes they got to fix. But the Jets have a top five 
corner in sauce. I'm not even going to say top 10 because you could make the case he's top three. We'll say top five corner in sauce Gardner. We'll say top 10-ish receiver in Garrett Wilson. Based on last year, top three, top five linebacker in Quincy Williams. Top five DT in Quinnen Williams. Top five nickel corner in Michael Carter. So, and Jermaine Johnson, pro bowler, top 12, top 15, D end. Hell, even if you want to say top 20. I mean, there, there's a lot of D ends in the NFL, right? There's, you know, 50, 60 of them. If you're top 15, you can make an argument for top 20. You're a pretty good player. And then, you know, rookie all pro Joe Tipman, um, of course. And again, this is um, lots of issues on the line, of course. They need to say they need they, they need to improve in, in some spots. They need a, a better wide receiver too. There are you know there are positions where they're weak, but the point I'm making is that Joe Douglas, in my mind, has brought in enough talent that the results should be better, and they haven't been. That's where Robert Sala comes in, and as Woody Johnson said, you know the coaches have to put these guys in better position to succeed. Talked about wanting Robert Sala more involved on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Johnny Football says Salah supposedly becoming offensive coach. Yeah, exa- this is exactly what I was just saying. Uh, draft the best alignment in the draft. JPJ, listen, if you can get JP, I mean, you're not taking JPJ at ten. If you can trade down and add a late one or an early two, well, no, you're gonna have to get JPJ in the first. I'm all for it, man. He was, in my mind, even though he didn't do the full week in Mobile, he was the best offensive lineman down there. He was just such a technician. Everything, I mean, everything he did, every move he made looked robotic. And I mean that in a good way, like just perfect. Everything was nobody be, I, I didn't see him lose a single rep and just taking guys completely <laughs> wherever they wanted to go that they couldn't get there. Just taking guys off course consistently. Um, and the guy's 21 years old. So JPJ, absolute monster. He is going to be a first round pick. Um, he's not a top 10 pick, but the good news is there are tons of good offensive linemen in this draft, and the Jets can get one at 10, and if they can trade trade their way back into the first round or late sec- or early second round, you're, you're going to find starters there. You're going to get starting players in the top 50 on the O-line. Tackle, guard, center. There's a few good centers. There's a few really good guards. There are some tackles who are going to move to guard and center, and you know you don't know how those guys are going to pan out. Dominic Pooney, Kansas, right? He worked at center and guard and mobile. So we're not sure how those guys are going to pan out, but we do know, I mean, obviously we don't know how any of them are going to pan out, but just looking at their ceiling and looking at their ability, lots of guys in this draft who can play. GM uh, in, the, in the Empire, keep AVT at guard. I think they're going to leave that up to AVT. They've said they want to keep him in one spot, wherever it's going to be. I think they're going to go to him and say, where do you want to play? You want to be guard or tackle? Because then based on what you want to do, that's you know going to, impact how we approach free agency in the draft. And it's a good, uh, you know, I talked about this earlier that uh, Scott Mason played like a jet mailbag. And we talked about this topic and I don't know, excuse me, AVT. I don't know if he's going to want to play where he thinks he'll be a better player, which is a guard or where he'll think he can make more money, which would be a tackle. But my thing is you're going to make a boatload of money either way. If you stay on the field. If AVT stays on the field, he's going to be a very rich man, as he should be. So where he decides to play is going to be interesting. I 
I, you know, if, if he was, he really is a team guy, you get that impression from him. So I would, I think that's what leaves open the possibility. He'll say guard. If he thinks that's best for the team. Wild wave. How are we doing, man? Let's see. Woody Johnson's a bozo. Pick Zach Wilson wanted Rogers. Why can't he be like the, Ooh, Dolan. Do you want anyone to be like James Dolan? Dolan. Oof. But I, I get what you're saying. The wild wave. Um, I don't know that he picked Zach Wilson. You know, there was reports this week. Of course, Rex wrote Rex Hogan left. And um, there were reports that that had a lot to do with him strongly endorsing Zach Wilson, which I get. But at the end of the day, Joe Douglas is the guy making the picks. The only time like when I look at the Joe Douglas era, when I look at the, the drafts he's had since getting here, I would be open to the possibility that he took a little more input from the coach in his first draft than any other. Why? Well, that was Adam Gase. And Adam Gase got him the job. They knew each other from Chicago, obviously liked each other. Adam Gase was the one who went to the Jets and said, listen, get rid of McCagnan and let's get my guy Joe D in here. So that's the guy that just got you the job. So maybe when they're sitting in the draft room, in the war room, he's letting Adam Gase's input have a little more impact than he would the guy he brings on, which of course is Robert Sala. And obviously the draft, you know, that draft with Gase, it, it's turned it turned out to be a bad draft. Um, but Joe Douglas still, you know, he's still tied to those picks. You know, Becton, we've talked about, the only guys left from that class. You got Becton, you got Ashton Davis, and you got uh, Bryce Hall. That's it. All three of those guys could be gone this offseason. But, two, I wouldn't be surprised if Hall and De- – I would expect Davis to be back. Hall is a depth piece. Why not? And Becton, the only reason I think there's any chance at all he comes back is because this tackle class – or, sorry, this this tackle market in free agency is so bad. And the Jets are going to want to shore up as many as many holes as possible Excuse me, before the draft. So Becton to the Jets on a one-year deal, a one-year prove-it deal. Not the craziest thing in the world as far as I'm concerned. But Woody Johnson, again, spoke out, was not happy. Basically said, time's now. We got to win. He didn't come out and say there was a playoff mandate and that people would be fired if they didn't. But he said, like, this is it now. We we have to win. We have to do something. He said the conversations he's had with the with with Salah and Douglas, he said this that's as mad as they've seen me since getting here. Woody should be mad, but Woody, again, um, shouldn't be trashing Zach and could have made, you know, could have pushed for the Jets to sign a QB2. I've said many times, and you can call it a conspiracy theory if you want, but it's the lack of a QB2 was so egregious that I, I had a hard time believing Joe Douglas made that decision on his own. And I'm not talking about other people. I'm talking about over his head, the people who decide how much money gets spent on which players. Um, did they look at, and not just money, you know, just, you look at picks, you look at everything they put into the quarterback position last year between Zach's salary, between what they gave up to get Rogers, you know, did they get to a point where they said, we're not giving you another 10 million for quarterback, uh, or 8 million, whatever it would take to get a quality back up in there. So Woody Johnson's unhappy as he should be, but Woody Johnson should do a better job of not, uh, not trashing players who are about to be traded. Um, yeah, Ashton Davis developing well, and there's other guys, you know, not from that, not, not necessarily from that class, but I feel like Jamie and Sherwood's a guy who's getting better every year. Um, and I expect him to see increased playing time again next year. He's sort of every year he's seen the field a little bit more. 
So I would expect some more of that this year. So lots of, uh, there are some good young players on this team, but you still, you know, we know the O-line situation. Carter Warren, a guy you like who showed some things, but you can't really, you know, etch him in. You, you know, he's, he's, not, he's a guy at best who you're looking at as, you can pencil him in as a guy who can compete for a spot next year, but you still need to get guys who you can, who you can count on, who you think higher of than you do of him. But um, yeah, uh, yeah, GM Island, GM Inland Empire. I agree. Ashton Davis had his best season as a Jet. Bryce Hall didn't play a ton, but when he did, he played well. And uh, and we talked about Beckton. So those three guys might be back. That that right now, I think, is Joe Douglas's worst draft class. A uh, lot of misses. I think the Cam Clark broken neck, you know, obviously didn't help things. I thought he was a, a starter type player at some point. But the owner has spoken, which he rarely does. And and he, he made the point. And that's why, to me, those comments put more heat on Salah than Douglas. And I talked about this earlier. I wrote the number. I don't I don't have the I have the numbers written down over there. I don't know. Whatever the total was. Ozzie Newsome. And I, I make this point all the time. Ozzie Newsome, Hall of Fame GM. And I'm not putting Joe Douglas in his class. I'm just saying over his first six seasons, before he won a Super Bowl, the Ravens were never over 500. And in fact, were 21 games under 500 before they won their first Super Bowl with Ozzie Newsome. And I get that, it, you know, they moved from Cleveland to Baltimore. Pro Football Network, they list Ozzie as at that time, the de facto GM for like four years, five years. I don't know what that means. I know Ozzie Newsome was always through the years been given credit for that team that was built in Baltimore. So on paper somewhere, I guess he wasn't in some way the GM. I don't know. I don't know why he's listed as general manager for every year he's there, except those first four or five years in Baltimore, where it says de facto general manager. Ozzie Newsom drafted Ray Lewis. Ozzie Newsom put those rosters together. Whether there was an administrative glitch or some weirdness going on, those were Ozzie's teams, and he should be proud of those teams. But prior to winning that Super Bowl, he was 21 games under 500 and drafted like 10 quarterbacks, including Kyle Bowler in the first round who we talked about. So Ozzie had big-time, high-profile Mississippi quarterback um, I don't know why this new this new mentality, this era of football, fans feel like if you drafted one quarterback and he failed, that's it. You got to go. That sounds absurd to me. I'm I'm happy with the hits we've seen from Joe Douglas. There have been misses. Everybody misses, but not everybody hits. Not at not at the 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 way Douglas. And listen, we did the show myself and Dylan Terman did a show a couple months ago where we broke down every single Joe Douglas pick, all of them. And if you stack it against the past 10, 15 years of the history of the league, he's been at least average. And if we're being honest with the number of pro bowlers, all pros, like high, high level guys that he's found, I would put him at above average. People want everyone to be a star. Oh, well, that that pick is that that's a bad pick because that dude never never went to an all uh, pro bowl. That's a bad pick because that dude's only average. Average is OK. Mo- Guess what? Most guys are at slightly above or slightly below average. That's where you get average. So because some of his guys fall in the range that most guys fall who play in and belong in the NFL, 
You know, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Um, Wild Wave, great question, man. Who replaces Rex Hogan and Chad out? That's who knows. The, and listen, this is the concerning thing. These are high level guys leaving the Jets less than 90 days till the draft. I know draft boards are still being built and players will move up and down and all that. It's not as if your draft board is finalized right now. But this is a critical time. This is not a time where you want to be firing the second in command and then the third in command for your general manager. Who they have in that in that front office, who they're going to elevate. And that was a great point Scott made. Um, Scott Mason talking about Chad, Chad Alexander saying, you know, was this a case where Chad Alexander wasn't going to be given the the spot that was vacated by Rex Hogan, so he left? Or is he another guy who was like, you know what, I don't think I want to be here anymore? Because the Jets, the Jets have had a few of those guys recently. Coaches, front office. And we don't know, you know, like with Embry being let go, with, with you, you've seen multiple coaches leave, multiple front office guys leave. Is this a sinking ship that people are just bailing? Or are the Jets saying, look, here's some, we, we've identified some areas where we can make some changes to make us better. Um, based on how things have been going lately, I would, I would tend to think some of these guys wanted to leave. Um, let's see, extend Douglas so he doesn't make any stupid decisions. I think, um, I think as long as Joe Douglas, listen, the, the biggest thing that has to happen for Joe Douglas is some of these guys, some of these offensive line guys, um, got to stay healthy. Um, you know, the amount of time these linemen have missed in recent years have made the line look a lot worse than it actually is. Even a guy like Wes Schweitzer, who wasn't great, but he was better than, you know, the guys who they had to plug in after him with, you know, uh, Hanson and, um, who else did you have? We were going over, over them earlier. Um, uh, Glazer, Chris Glazer, Jeff Hanson. They gotta, they gotta get some of these guys, you know, these are depth pieces, uh, you know, Xavier Newman. These are practice squad types who need to be developmental players, which is fine. But when when you get as many injuries, um, if you bring McGovern back, if you bring Schweitzer back, those guys got to stay on the field because even as backups, those guys aren't those aren't bad options. But when those guys get hurt, NAVT gets hurt, and then you're getting into your your practice squad. That's when things that's when things go uh Go awry, very awry. Uh, Dylan Terman, Dylan couldn't join us live, but I'm happy. It looks like he's watching and he's commenting. Uh, we may have sat next to the assistant GM at dinner in Mobile. The, oh, yeah, the next. That's correct. I forgot about that. Dylan and I went out. It's it's funny. Mobile's small. Um, but even with that being the case, there's 32 teams there, 32 front offices. And we, um, after day, I think it was after day one of practice, went out to grab some dinner. Sat down and uh, the table next was there were it was Jets executives. Um, Dylan, they were over my shoulder. Dylan spotted them. He was like, I think the Jets are sitting behind us. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, the guy's right behind you. And I turned around and it was like, oh, OK. So, uh, yeah, Mobile's a small place, man. Um, we didn't bother them. You know, we didn't, I'm not there to harass anybody trying to do their job or enjoy their night out. Um, but, yeah, one of the guys at the table might be the next assistant GM under Joe D. So we'll see. It's um wild times, man. 80 some days. I don't know how it's 70 some, 80 some days till the draft and Jets assistant GM steps away. And then the guy under him steps away. So you're losing some, some heavy hitters in your front office, right? At draft time. Not, uh, not what you want to see. Um, quick note. 
We all know the Jets are going to be desperately trying to add some talent at tackle and free agency this year. Donovan Smith, Kansas City Chiefs tackle. I was really surprised by this. You rarely hear teams or players who are under contract, and not just under contract, under contract and playing in the Super Bowl tomorrow. Like, you think bigger things on their mind. Kansas City Chiefs tackle Donovan Smith says he would love to play for the Jets. Says he grew up a Jets fan. Jersey guy, apparently. I think he said he was Jersey. Wherever it was, Jersey, New York. He's from the area. Has played tackle in the league, left tackle for quite a while now. I think eight, nine years. Played for the Bucs. He's played for the Chiefs. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I've watched a ton of him. Um, took a quick peek at PFF, but Glenn PFF doesn't know what they're talking about. Okay, fine. You go watch his 139 career games and get back to me and let me know where you're grading him. But if I see a guy says he wants to play for the Jets and I got a couple hours till I go live, I don't have time to watch a bunch of his games. So I hop over to PFF and see, just get a rough idea what they're saying. And, um, this year, not very good. They grade him at a 57 overall 62 pass blocking, not terrible. Uh, run blocking 47, terrible. Um, but just uh, what was it from 2019 to 2021? Some good PFF grades overall 70, 72, 80. Then last year, his final year in Tampa Bay, dipped to 59. This year in Kansas City, 12, 13 starts, uh, he dipped to 57. So he's a guy who's been around for a little while. He's on the decline. He entered the league in, let's see, looks like 2015. So he's been around for a while. Um, and again, it appears he is declining. We'll, uh, uh, he's a guy, look, if, if the Jets are going to have interest in, if his name's being mentioned, I might break away from watching college prospects to take a look at him and see, uh, and see what I think. But I hear something like that. A guy who's currently under contract hours away from playing in the Super Bowl, talking about, I'd love to go play for the Jets. That sounds to me like a guy who isn't expecting a great number of offers in free agency and knows who really needs a tackle. Uh, let's see. Nania from XFX. Okay, so Michael Nania, I guess. Not high on Donovan. Yeah, like I said, I haven't watched him. I just I, – I heard the story. I, I popped up on my feed a couple hours ago. I knew I was going live. I'm crazy busy right now. Listen to what I did, the genius that I am. 10 seconds away from football coverage. Before I leave for Mobile, I order all new furniture for my study. And I set up to have it delivered when? The day after I get back from Mobile. Like I land, get home, sleep. The next morning, furniture delivered. And since I was in Mobile, I couldn't get rid of the old furniture and the living room. So I have ex multiple extra rooms worth of furniture in my house that I got to fit and, oh, by the way, my kid's birthday is in two days. Um, and he's having all friends over. So I'm like, I'm not not in typical, not in a normal situation where I can be watching more football. I actually edited some some clips earlier from uh, some draft prospects. Uh, Delmar Glaze, tackle from Maryland. Didn't love him the first watch. Uh, and when I say first watch, like, you know, I went through three of his games, didn't didn't come away loving him, but went through today. And as I was editing the, the clips and highlights I pulled, I was like, I think I like him more than I realized. Uh, I'm not saying he's great, but really good length, a true left tackle. Um, better than some of the guys that are being mentioned with him. 
probably a third, fourth round, probably mid late or sorry, late three, early four. But some of these guys go a little earlier because positional value, right? Like there's not a lot of great tackles in the league. And if you need a couple, you know, if you're looking for a starter and a backup, teams take tackles earlier than they would if they played a less important position. So maybe a Delmar Glaze goes late round three, early round four. We'll see. Uh, let's see. Dylan says he made three million last season, so it should be a cheap deal. I would imagine. I would imagine. Um, I don't think he's. I mean, he's not. Given his age, performance, um, he's probably not in a position to demand a ton of money. But look, if you want to bring a, a guy like that in as a vet a depth piece, absolutely. But like I said, just a weird. I would think any player being asked, like you know, and may, uh, the quote I saw today, maybe he said it yesterday, the day before, but if it's Super Bowl week. And someone's asking you, hey, would you like to play for this other team? I think you'd be like, shut that down. I don't, I'm not talking about that right now. Like, I got a Super Bowl coming up in a couple days. That's where my head's at. So I was a little surprised he said that. Speaking of which, players speaking out publicly on where they want to play, they almost never do it. My guy Brock Bowers did it the other day. The uh the tight end from Georgia, who I want, but he's not gonna be there. I've 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 mentally moved on. Yes, I still want Brock Bowers at 10. But I've moved on from Brock Bowers because I can't see him being there at 10. He's too good. I've seen two or three mocks now that have him going in the top eight. I uh, saw two that had him going at five, one that had him going at seven. And the more I watch him, I'm like, who is passing on this guy? Like, I would legitimately take him. The only guys in this class I would take over Brock Bowers. The top two quarterbacks, I'd take May and Williams. I'd take Marvin Harrison Jr., and that's it. Maybe, maybe depending on what I need, maybe Joe Alt. No no worse than five. Wild Wave says, bro, for that, bring back Becton. Again, how much is Becton going to, you know, Becton obviously is not going to get the huge deal he was hoping for. Every player is hoping for a huge deal. But those late-season struggles for Becton, I think, are really going to hurt him. And I think he's going to have to take a little bit less Let's see. Dylan chimes in. Dylan, you may as well have been on the show, man. Come on. But that, no, this is great. Thanks for uh, Dylan throwing in some good info here. Latest mock from Lance Zerline has Fuaga to the Giants at five. Could happen. Latham at 10 to the Jets. Um, Latham, I hadn't watched as much of in Mobile. Going into Mobile. Um, was focusing primarily on senior bowl prospects. Um, I did like what little I'd watched of him. Dom C, while we were there, we talked about, you know, was raving about how much he liked him. So I watched a little more of him the last couple of days in Mobile. And then I've watched a little bit of him since getting home. I would have no problem with Latham at 10. Um, a lot of folks worry because, oh, he's big like Becton. Listen, guys, you, there's going to be big players in the NFL. Did Snacks Harrison have any trouble staying on the field? He wasn't exactly 240. Um, you're going to get guys sometimes that weigh 340, 350. You know, that is a range that's rare, but it doesn't mean it. Listen, if if Greg Van Roten never falls on Mekhi Becton's leg, who knows what he is right now? He might be an all-pro tackle, but Greg Van Roten did fall on his leg, and it did make him miss two years of his career. So maybe he's not the same guy he would have been if not for the injury. Um, and it, that wasn't because of his weight. It's not like if he was thinner his leg would have held up better when Greg Van Roten landed on it. So I don't care about uh, 
I don't worry as much about Latham as some other folks do. If you want, and if you watch Latham, and I said this earlier, if you watch Latham and Becton in college, Latham is so much more polished, so much further along. Like he's a plug and play day one starter who you expect to play well from day one. Makai Becton, he was a plug and play starter, but you knew at least, you know, I talked about this with a lot of people. I thought based on his Louisville film, and based on the fact that Louisville is another one of those offenses where the ball is out, it's like snap, out, snap, out. You're not asking these guys to hold up their blocks for an extended period of time. Watch some J.C. Latham film. or that doesn't, Just watch some Alabama games on YouTube or whatever. And you're going to see time and again, he's holding up his blocks. And I don't mean just kind of winning. I mean dudes unable to get anywhere near the quarterback for three, four, five, you just count it out. You'll count five plus seconds multiple times. I didn't see that once from Becton in college, and that's not Becton's fault. I'm just saying that they're completely different offenses. Alabama asks their linemen to do a lot, to do things that are a lot closer to what an NFL lineman will do than what Louisville did. So you're not getting a raw prospect who's huge and he's going to need time to develop his. I mean, yeah, he's going to, you want him to get better. But I wouldn't, to compare those two as players, I mean, you want to compare their weight, fine. But if you want to compare them as players, no, Latham is, is far better um, early in his career. Or, sorry, late in his college career, what will be early in his NFL career. Um, is Latham worth, with the, I think, listen, Wild Wave, when you're talking day one left tackle starter, or right, they, you know, he may play on the right side, wherever he's going to be, he's going to dominate. He's probably better suited for the right side. I was left tackle. I was thinking Becton, but yeah, Latham probably plays on the right side. But listen, if Fuaga's worth it, Latham's worth it. Um, again, I, I don't have the injury concerns, and I think he's going to be a high level starter right away. Now, listen, some people might say he's going to struggle with speed rushers. The thing is, how many tackles don't like? That's why speed rushers make a billion dollars a year because they give tackles nightmares. Um, let's see. I don't think the Jets should give up on Beckton, even Wilson. Uh, listen, Johnny football. I have no issue with that. I listen. I would love to see Beckton come back and be given a chance to compete for a starting job. I, I, something was up last year, late in the year. I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not, first of all, I'm not going to pretend I have inside info. I don't. All I know is Makai Beckton, for whatever reason, for about a four week stretch, four or five week stretch, Late last year, what, week sort of 13 through 17, whatever it was, was the worst he's ever looked as a pro. It was, and and don't tell me, oh, he was mailing it in. Because what did everyone tell me all season? Oh, he doesn't get any credit for losing weight. He only put all that work in so he can get paid. Okay, so he only wants to get paid, but then he took four weeks, five weeks off late in the year and just didn't do anything. Guys were blowing past him like he was a statue. It was easily the worst football we've ever seen Mekhi Becton play. I don't know if it was fatigue because that would have been. You look at his college career, you look at his NFL career. He had at that point that he'd never played that many snaps in a season in his life. Maybe he hit a wall and was like, I'm not used to this. I'm not up to this. Maybe the knee was, but whatever. I'm not saying bring Mekhi Becton back on a big deal and promise him a starting job. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you bring him back with a chance to win a starting job, but as a, a, a backup, I'd be completely fine with that. Uh, 
Matthias says trade down. That's that's kind of where I'm at, and that's why I've let the Brock Bowers thing sail in my mind. Um, I can't really see. I can't really see using ten and then not having another pick until seventy-two. And it looks like, yes, indeed, I've I've got a co-host, Dylan Terriman. How are we doing, Dylan? Uh, no audio. Not hearing you. Give that another shot. You you peer pressured me to come on. I uh, I was racing home. I saw you were live. So yeah, happy to join you for the back end of this one. Oh, now I lost your audio. Daniel Jeremiah, for those of you who's, who, I don't know if you've seen it or not, um, he had Fuaga as as being the number two tackle on the board over anybody. And let's see, Wild Wave says, I've seen that mock. It had us passing on Oni. To me, if worst came to worst, AVT can play right tackle. Well, that's the thing, Wild Wave. Discussed it earlier. Um, what does AVT want? I think they're going to give him that, that option. Um, Highlander says, Woody wasn't necessarily talking about Zach Wilson when he mentioned the team had no backup. I think he noted that Douglas didn't bring in a true backup for AR. Zach was right. He, but I mean, he was. He was. Second. No, it was definitely Zach. Yeah, Zach was the backup, and he said we didn't have a backup. So I think he was. Uh, I think. Uh, I think he was taking a shot at Zach there, which I didn't think was necessary. <clears throat> Douglas has to do better there. But sorry, Dylan, your your thoughts on Latham. Um. So specifically with the mock, like the chat said, it, they did pass up on Olu to take him. So I was a little, you know, upset about that. Um, like I haven't done enough on Latham. He's the last of the offensive tackles that I have to do in like that, that top four, top five group, uh, him and Guyton actually are the last two on my list, but, um, at 10, maybe it's a little rich for me for Latham, but I think more so the Olu passing up was the, the decision there. I know Connor Rogers has mentioned that that would be worth specked in part two, I don't necessarily think it's that serious, but I do think there is a bit of a drop off before the tier of Latham and Guyton. Oh, Franco says you messed up my audio, Dylan. Thanks for watching. I, uh, I'm turning up my mic, so hopefully that helps, but I hope I'm not too loud. I could turn mine down. And I mentioned that I thought he looked, I was really impressed with him in Mobile. I was, um, I can't hear you. Am I muted? I hear you. I screwed everything up, I ruined it all. I'm like maxed up on volume now. I'm, I'm blowing my own ears out with this thing. Here, here, I'll leave real quick and see if, if it works better for you. Yeah, try to try to go out and come back in. So yeah, Dylan popped out. He's gonna he's gonna pop back in. Are you guys getting me yet? Let me know, Franco, while they because I'm hearing me really loud in my in my earbuds. Um and it's telling me my audio's on, it's telling me I'm not muted. So I apologize if it's low. Um Hopefully it's not completely audio still low. Yeah, that's weird. I'll uh, I'll turn it. I think I am turned all the way up. How does that go? Uh, Douglas drafted McDonald last year. Um, sorry guys, bear with it. I'll just I'll I've got I'm turned all the way up and I'll sit up to the mic. Um, Douglas drafted McDonald last year. <laughs> Dylan Rooney. Thanks a lot, Dylan. Um, 
wouldn't be surprised if he grabs JPJ. Um, he's not taking JPJ at 10. No. Um, he'll take him later. But um, and, and I would love to have him. Um, he's one of those guys that I'm curious to see where he goes because he has such a good week at Mobile, and I think he um, I think he made himself a lot of money. But as far as uh, as far as Fuaga or uh, sorry Guyton, who we were talking about, he's a guy that I really wanted to see in Mobile because of the fact that, like I just said about Beckton, right? The ball coming out quickly. Oklahoma, it's go 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 go. The ball's just out so fast. You don't see these guys sustain blocks. You get to see it in Mobile and the one-on-one drills. And I thought he held his own. I thought he did a, you know, for a guy who wasn't asked to do it a lot in college, I thought he did a really nice job of it mobile. And uh, I don't know, what what, were your, what are your thoughts on Guyton right now as, as far as how early you would take him there? So he's probably the one of the top guys, like, in that Latham tier two where, like, if you traded back four, five, six picks, you could do it. And I know I said, like, a couple weeks ago, don't get cute if you like a guy and you have conviction on a guy at 10. But – Guyton and Latham seem a little bit high to me. Um, back to JPJ, though. I don't know. Obviously, I don't think he's on the Jets' radar unless they're in, like, the early 20 range, like a Linderbaum, like at 24. Um, but I don't know if you saw uh, Jim Nagy's tweet about the reoccurring or pre-existing injury he was dealing with in Mobile. So he was doing all that while, you know, battling through some stuff. So he really just showed some grit. So he definitely solidified himself. He could, I mean, he could be a top 15 pick. Um, but I think he's probably a top 20 guy, but I'd put him like if you traded back to 17, 18, 20, Guyton and JPJ are top on my list. Yeah, I really think the, um, I think JPJ, I don't know why, but in my mind, I look at him and I'm like 17, 18. I can't see him fall past that. He's going to be, he's going to be so good at the next level and probably a guy who can play center or guard for you. And, uh, it's uh yeah audio it is what it is we'll uh, we'll we'll power through but um the high ankle let's see GM Inland Prime or sorry Inland Empire says uh high ankle sprain slowed him down it, it had to be something um the thing is I don't think they were showing him on the injury report which is weird uh, especially based on how he was playing it, sometimes guys are playing like that and you make up an injury to cover for him you know and he was on the injury report to begin the season every single week. So like, that's nothing new to him. And like, if he stayed on the injury report all season, that'd be fine. But he was not on it to end the season. Yep. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I keep, um, I like, I don't even think about alt because I just feel like there's a 1% chance he's there. I mean, all the other non-football storylines aside, I just I feel like I want the Niners to win so badly. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm getting a little tired of the Chiefs. I know 
they're fun to root for. Travis Kelsey is like, he's a fun player. Mahomes, he gets a little annoying, but he's still a fun player. He hasn't reached that Tom Brady status yet, but I don't know something about the Niners. I just got to root for them. They're just, they're, their roster's loaded. I love a lot of their players. Debo is my favorite non-jet in the NFL, so I gotta I gotta root for him a little bit. But I don't know something about something about the Niners just makes me want to root for him. You know, I had this thought about the Niners earlier, and I know that top to bottom they they do have a lot more talent than the Jets. But how would we be talking about them? I mean, let, let's be honest. And you know, I'm I'm big on like give credit where it's due. But how lucky are they that Brock Purdy has been as good as Brock Purdy has been? Yeah. Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, played like Mr. Irrelevant. They would have had a handed team over to, to, to Trey Lance, who they clearly didn't like. They gave him away. He never mm-hmm. field, gave him away for a four, five, whatever it was. Yeah. So they're winning all these games, and they're doing it because they got a quarterback with the eight million pick who's playing at a very high level. I don't know if coaching has a lot to do with that. Obviously, they've got a coach who knows offense a little bit. I, I thought about it because, and part of it was because, part of it was because of what I was saying earlier. That all the heavy, oh, you got to fire Joe Douglas. He missed on a, a quarterback in the first round. That's fireable. And I'm like, didn't San Francisco miss on a quarterback early in the first round? Um, Everybody but the Jaguars did that year. Six or whatever it was. Um, and again, I know the Niners are more talented up and down the roster, but I, you know, I was saying at the top, Dylan, you've got you know a, a rookie lineman who's just a you know rookie All Pro. You've got uh, you know one of the best nickel corners in the NFL. You've got one of the best starters, a top three, top five corner, and Sauce Gardner, probably another top fifteen guy, and DJ Reed, maybe the best one-two combo in the NFL, if not definitely top three. Um, you know, Quincy Williams, Garrett Wilson. Reese Hall, like, they put together a really good team that, again, people forget, they had the eighth best odds to go to the Super Bowl last year. But because they missed on a quarterback, the GM could be fired, but another GM who missed on a quarterback in the same class, who, there were some pretty reliable, high-level reports, they wanted the guy the Jets took, they ended up taking a guy who was a bust, but because Brock Purdy is playing like a stud, Oh, well, they're all geniuses, and they should get extensions. Um, but the judge had fired their GM because he missed on a quarterback that same class. Um, it's just, it's wild to me. Um, as far as the game itself, I think, um, uh, yeah, I want San Fran to win. I've, you know, I've always liked Mahomes. Mm-hmm. That, um, that post-game interaction this year with Josh Allen really, like, turned me off. Oh, yeah, I remember. Are you really going to the guy who just beat you and complaining to him about the referees? Like, just say good job, dude. Good game. <laughs> like, that was, like, one of the whiny... And I know people... Everyone accuses great quarterbacks of whining. Why? Because a lot of them do whine, and a lot of them get called, and it pisses us off, and I understand that. But that was so... It was just such a smarmy... Like, it was just a low... A, a new low for me. Like, I never mm-hmm. hear do something that made me feel like, oh, I don't like that. Um, but that did it for me. I was like, I don't, I don't. However, this game, I don't think there's anywhere, and I'm, I hate excuse making, and all the referees don't like us. I hate that. But, but if I'm the San Francisco 49ers, I'm, I'm telling my guys in the locker room before the game, like we haven't kicked off yet, but we know the league wants pictures of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift kissing at midfield 
with confetti falling around them. They, the league wants that. Like, the Niners or the Chiefs, or, I mean the Chiefs, already get every call. But in this game, with what's on the line, I think we're going to see some of the wildest stuff we've seen in terms of calls. And I think they really, really, the Niners have to go in with the mentality, we're playing the league here. Because they want this storybook ending with, with Taylor Swift at midfield and, and bringing a, a billion more, you know, 13-year-old girls who want to watch football now. So, I, I don't see any and, – and when it boils down to Patrick Mahomes versus Brock Purdy, as good as Brock Purdy has been, as much as great story he is, as much as I would love to see Brock Purdy hoisting that trophy with all the trash people are talking about. Like, all he does is produce and all people do is trash him. Mm-hmm. Love to see Brock Purdy win that game on Sunday. However, it's still Patrick Mahomes, and the NFL is going to want Taylor at midfield. I don't see any way San Fran wins this game unless they just come out and, and just, you know, they're going to have to come out and play at a level that KC can't keep up with. And I don't see that happening. So, mm-hmm. what, 28 24 Kansas City? But I'm hoping, it's, I'm hoping for a damn, you know, San Fran blowout. Yeah, that sounds about right in terms of the score and what the outcome probably will be. Before we get to Wild Wave's question, I do want to say I believe the Jets' seventh-round compensatory pick is slotted to be the final pick of the draft. So unless they move off it, they have a chance to you know, acquire their Mr. Irrelevant quarterback. That's, those haven't been officially announced, have they? Uh, no, but I think it's projected that they're going to get like the last one. Part of them getting three picks, one of them was uh, Dan Dean. And mm. part of that was going to be tied to his playing time. And I think he only played 11 snaps this year. Oh, okay, yeah. It was an article that was written before the season. And it was NFL.com, I forget who wrote it. And they were talking about the projected comp picks. And they, had it, they went team by team. And they said the Jets get three. However, that will depend on Dan Dean's playing time. But even up until just the other day, a few days ago, Rich Cimini of ESPN reported the Jets projected three picks. So maybe they got it, but or maybe they didn't, and people are going off the old projection not realizing that Cimini only played 11 snaps this year. So maybe right. they, they don't. But uh, go ahead, yeah, jump to that wild wave comment. Yeah, do you think Joe Douglas's philosophy of best player available changes with Rex Hogan and Chad Alexander out? Um, no, I don't think so because, I mean, these guys are all – from the the Baltimore tree. And I, I heard you mentioning Ozzie Newsom before, and I feel like that's always been his MO going into the draft as best player available. They never really reach for a need, um, or it doesn't seem like they've reached for a need. Obviously, you can question some of the picks Baltimore makes in, in the last 20 years, sure. But no, I don't think that it ultimately changes his philosophy. Um, what I do think changes his philosophy is the temperature of his seat cushion and how hot, how hot that is. Because if he's on the hot seat, he's going to do some things that you probably wouldn't necessarily think Joe Douglas would do, perhaps trading that, that 2025 pick that Glenn always tries to give away. You know, he could do that because it's the, my, the Magic Johnson meme. I'm not going to be here. If it doesn't work out, he might not be here. But should Woody sign off on that pick? I don't know. Um, so I think the philosophy 
will look slightly different this year for sure, but I don't think it, it will stray too far from the best player available approach. Yeah. I think, and the, you know, the best player available thing, I've, I've said this comment before. Every team says they're taking the best player, but like, they're never going to be like, yeah, we took this dude, but we had seven guys graded above him. You know, they need plays a big role. It's not just a wild coincidence that like, 80, 90% of picks, like, oh, they just happened to need a guy. How lucky for the 94th time in the last 100 picks, everyone's best player played a position where there was a need. Like, that plays a huge role. Um, it's never just about, let's see, oh, wow, this is bad. They're saying they literally can't hear a thing I'm saying. I thought people were saying the audio was low. Um, I apologize. Uh-oh. Let's wrap this one up if this is the case. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Apologies for that, guys. I am all plugged in and unmuted. Um, geez, we just gotta bear with him. Wildwave sounds like the ultimate trooper right now. Yeah, thanks a lot, Wildwave. Um, appreciate it. We're gonna roll out. Oh yeah, Wildwave says it's low for me. I will uh, take a look at that. Have a good one, Jets fans. We'll catch you next week.